listening to Soul Search Podcast with Ava and Marcella, a podcast dedicated to exploring mental health issues in relation to race, identity, and culture. Hello, everyone. We are back. Hi. Hi, hi, hi. Um, <laughs> <laughs> welcome to episode Cinco. Yeah. I was like, I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> episode five of our trauma season so we're yep. pretty close to the end yeah are feeling pretty good about it our last episode mm-hmm. was really fun to jump back yes. into um and we covered a lot of ground so in this mm-hmm. this week's episode or this episode because like I always say this week because like what week <laughs> but, yeah exactly exactly that's okay that's it's okay all right um we're gonna be talking about like the recovery healing mm-hmm. um yeah that kind of stuff you know the stuff mm-hmm. that we all try to get to whenever we're dealing yeah. with trauma it's it's a necessary part of the journey right before we started recording one of the things I that came to me I'm like yeah you can't really just decide right that you're not gonna be traumatized by something um mm-hmm. yeah yeah because I think a lot of folks may think that you know I'm tough enough I can handle it Right. Um, I'm just gonna brush it off and some things are not brush offable. Some things are not. Yeah. I think that's a good point. Cause I think there is something to say about resiliency and kind of, you know, our own ability to, I guess, like determine how much will this event or these several events like take control of my life. Like, I think Mm -hmm. we can have a little bit of a, um, acknowledgement that like, okay, I'm strong, I'm resilient, I can cope with this. But I think you're right in that sometimes the way we our bodies react to certain things, it's out of our control. And it doesn't make us weak. Um, It's not often a choice, like you said. Mm -hmm. It's not often a choice. Like you said, I agree. I totally agree with that. Because I think resiliency is one of the best parts of struggle in life. It's like, okay, Mm-hmm. I can bounce back from this. I can, I can overcome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but never mm-hmm. wanting to avoid mm-hmm. what it is that could really be going on with you. I think that's the thing that can, can yeah. happen for a lot of folks. Well, and there's that fine line between like sucking it up, I guess. And like how people say, well, just suck it up and just whatever. Like, it's not that big of a deal. Like, why are you letting this take over your life there's a fine line between that and being like you know this thing happened to me and I don't want it to have control over me so what can I do to work through it um because sometimes like you said we can't always choose if something's going to affect us or not um sometimes it just is and it does and it doesn't say anything about us it's just the way it works out Mm -hmm. that's just how it is and us being human beings, consider the fact that we are that, we are just that. And so we have these very complex processes that we go through emotionally, mentally, physically, all of that. And all of those things are very tied, um, no matter how much we may try to put them in their little sp- their little spots and spaces. And mm-hmm. like, you know, it's it's always gonna affect every, every mm-hmm. inch of you in, in some way. Um, mm-hmm. And that's how we build resilience by, mm-hmm. I guess, figuring out, you know, what is it that we can do in order to heal from things, in order to see it through when it comes to certain um, traumatic experiences we have, or even just experiences in general, struggle, strife, all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so with that being said, looking at like the the process of recovery, I think a mm-hmm. lot of people, you know, have these ideas about like how to get started and yeah. what to do. Most people automatically we jump to therapy which is true Mm -hmm. I think it's one of the best ways to sort through it I think Um, so and like you were saying like there's these certain I guess like there's this order in which it could help to go in Mm -hmm. when it comes to trauma yeah so what I found and and honestly okay so I found a little article and it is reminiscent I took this trauma certification on PESI. So for if anyone's listening who wants to become a clinician or is a clinician, um, it's the CCTP certification. So it's a certified, wait, yeah, certified clinical trauma professional. And Mm -hmm. it lays out those steps as well. It talks so much, it's by Eric Gentry, who is this kind of renowned therapist who works in trauma. And it talks about the importance of like, 
attunement with your body, going through a life timeline, like a trauma timeline, um, depending on when the trauma happened, things like that. And then working on regulation and, um, and not being um, activated or overcome by memories um, regarding the trauma. So it talks about all that. So this article really summed that concept up, I guess, in a really nice way. Um, it is called the, um, well, it's on brainspotential.com and it's written by, let me give this woman some credit, Dr. <laughs> Susan Spicer. She's a licensed psychologist. Um, and I believe she's from Michigan. Um, and so she sums up these really, really um, just, I mean, she makes it sound simple and obviously it's not simple work, but um, she kind of sums it up in four steps. And so stage one, I'll just go through them really quickly and we can kind of flush out details and um, just a little bit more, um, give a little more context. But stage one is safety, stabilization and overcoming dysregulation. Um, and so when I think of that, I think of like what you brought up earlier, um, being in tune with the body. Um, stage two is remembrance, mourning, and coming to terms with the traumatic memories. Stage three is reconnection and integration. And then stage four is post-traumatic growth. Mm -hmm. So we could start on stage one. <laughs> I got to go through that. What do you I think? I mean, okay. So like safety, stabilization. Mm-hmm. Super and overcoming dysregulation. Overcoming that, that's the difficult part. I mean, I think we yeah. can all kind of acknowledge or we know when we are unsafe most times, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And so when it comes to, I guess like looking at that, it makes me think of like, um, trauma can oftentimes feel like you are literally in deep water. Yeah. And it's difficult to like, relax and be comfortable within it exactly. and it can become normalized in a way mm -hmm. where you're like oh I always I've had so many people say that I mean friends mm -hmm. clients mm -hmm. people it is a human experience where you're like oh wow this is what it feels like to not have chaos around me right like, I think you're right like mm-hmm that's what um that's what exactly what she goes into like that people when they've had especially like that chronic trauma happen in their life that they're unable to just be relaxed in their body and so working through that and creating that stabilization that she mentions um is being able to do that it's getting ownership of your body being able to calm your mind um um, hopefully getting rid of flashbacks or being triggered by certain things, hopefully being able to like emotionally regulate through that. Um, and I don't know about you, but I've had so many people come into my office and they're living in like a fight or flight. And it's, and it's like, we can't do anything in terms of work until we get that under control. Yeah. And, and so to me, especially after going through that training and reading this, like that is the first step of like, let's get our bodies relaxed and in our control. Because if we're co consistently like hijacked by mm -hmm. flashbacks or anger or rage or hypervigilance, I mean, how can we, like you said, it's chaos. How can we mm -hmm. even like navigate anything when mm -hmm. we're in that space? You, you really can't. I mean, you can attempt to, but it's going to be very much like there's going to be a filter over it that's based in what it is that your norm was when it comes mm -hmm. to being, you know, highly anxious, fight or flight. Mm -hmm. I, I've, I've seen it as well, where, you know, mm -hmm. folks are like in that space most of the time. Um, and sometimes it's that's like the first part of the job is like getting folks in the room. Like, that's kind of what we say when we're like, let's get in the room. That is so true. Yeah. You know, that's like the first that. thing. We can't really go anywhere else on this journey until you get in this room. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah. and then that's kind of a skill in itself. Mm -hmm. Like I've kind of been trying to make that prominent in my work is like, you can, you can figure out how to do that within your own space mm -hmm. in the future. Mm -hmm. Like my hope is that you're able to do that whenever you are in right. uncomfortable situations, right. knowing like that's where boundaries come in. But a lot of us, we grew up in environments where mm -hmm. there was a lot of trauma and nary a boundary. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Don't even know where to point <laughs> one of those. Nary out. A nary. <laughs> it's so great. That is so funny. I've been using it so much lately. It's so fun <laughs> to say. And my mom said that growing up, like nary a, just nary an inch of, yeah, that's so country. <laughs> it's like old world 
countryness. Um, yeah. No, but it's true. It's like no, that some of us do not even know what that looks like. And so whenever right. you're trying to establish that and you know trauma has been the norm or mm-hmm. trauma has been something that you've been exposed to so many times or even just once and it was extremely, extremely severely traumatic, mm-hmm. body keeps the score. So you're trying mm-hmm. your best to figure out how to navigate that, slow that down. Mm-hmm and Mm -hmm. work through things as you can and so that okay we on target with it we're we're using spice on on this dr spice yes i like i like how she just summed that up so simply so succinctly and i guess if anyone is feeling maybe confused or overwhelmed just regarding that i think this article is kind of a nice little like let's start here and kind of get an idea of what that process can look like and and i think something to keep in mind too for anyone listening who maybe is trying to figure out where to start um and of course i always recommend you know don't just listen to us like you need to be working with a professional in your own life mm-hmm. um who knows you um but also i think too thinking about how are drugs and alcohol playing a role in this how are like your romantic and social relationships playing a role in this mm-hmm. um you ava brought up off camera like you know someone who um you know they may leave the environment that is traumatic and think that's all they have to do So you need to think about, you know, is where I'm living, is my environment, is my workplace, are all these little things going on in my life conducive to me healing from this? Do I need to create stabilization in some of that before I dive into the past? Mm. Does that make sense? It absolutely does. You said that so clearly. It was lovely. Okay. I feel no need to comment. That was so... (laughs) So helpful. Well, the way you framed it earlier was like, yeah, it, it's it's okay. I left. Now yeah, what? So or, yeah. That's and don't so get me wrong. Some people can leave, and it's mm-hmm. that's all they need. They need or, or get out of that environment, and maybe they didn't carry any of that trauma with them. Some people really can do that, but many people are affected in a grander way. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's important to not ignore that very important and I think too like whenever you're thinking about family like we talked about in the last in the last episode looking at like intergenerational trauma Mm -hmm. and even if like you're in a let's say some type of crime happens and you're involved or somebody steals your vehicle or something in your apartment complex and you just struggle with living there Mm -hmm. after that happens or you witness Mm -hmm. something traumatic things like that Mm -hmm you're going to have a reaction to something like a lot of people can like a lot of people right. are going to have a reaction to something like that it's right. going it's going to color and illustrate a certain thing for you whenever you're navigating life moving forward whenever you're living mm-hmm. and sometimes when you're in that space mm-hmm. it's there you're reminded of it often whereas if you left and went elsewhere mm-hmm. you may feel a little different so it's it's mm-hmm. it depends on the situation but always feeling the need to like check in with yourself ask yourself those mm-hmm. questions and if you aren't able to do that that's where we come in <laughs> not yeah. us like yeah. on this show but right. somebody with an LPC L- what is the mm-hmm. other one like LCPC depending on where you are licensed professional. oh my gosh there's so many LPCC well of course social workers yes. LCSW right um, psychologists psychi- so I mean well, just someone licensed do your yeah. research of course but um gosh in every state it looks different unfortunately it, it can be it a bit confusing um But I'm glad you bring up that of like, okay, when does a therapist come in? Because in stage two of what she talks about, um, the remembrance morning and coming to terms with traumatic memories, um, they say it's best approach with a therapist or another um, mental health professional, um, such as a psychologist, things like that. Um, Maybe for some people, they would need a team, um, depending how severe it is. But it talks about like, this is the stage of hopefully healing and using, you know, EMDR and that's eye movement desensitization and reprocessing or cognitive behavioral therapy or other trauma interventions um, to help revisit these memories if necessary and, and hopefully heal. Like let's resolve the impact that these memories and events are creating. And of course this looks different for everyone um if there's no one right way to do it um and they also talk about the importance of pacing 
that type of work. Um, of course, you know, you shouldn't be diving into all of this in one session. Mm-hmm. Um, that can be really overwhelming. That can be traumatizing. Mm-hmm. Um, so you want to be working with someone who knows what they're doing, mm-hmm. <laughs> who can help guide you through the process so that going through it doesn't re-traumatize you. Um, and, um, and then what else I'm just seeing? Oh, and then this phase may come with mourning, just what could have been, what should have been. Um, so it's very complex. It's layered. Um, again, for everyone, this may look a few different ways, depending on the nature of what they're processing. Um, and so, and also it talks about the importance of connection to others during this too. What's your support system looking like? Who are, who are your friends? What's your relationship with your therapist like? Um, so she throws all that out there when it comes to um, getting into the getting into the past or or what has happened. And I, I mean, again, I thought she kind of summed it up really nicely. Um, but for anyone listening, it's something to be mindful of how you're approaching this this isn't probably something you want to do on your own it isn't and you shouldn't have to and I think too but also keeping in mind you know trauma is a very personal healing from trauma can is is usually a super personal experience Mm -hmm. but when you're able to connect to other people while you're doing so you don't feel so isolated because it can feel really isolating when you leave a session after processing your trauma with your therapist, mm-hmm. talking things through, walking through a memory that may be very traumatic for you. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm glad that she mentioned pace. Pace is very important. Do right. not rush your healing process when it comes to trauma. Right. Be just present as you possibly can mm-hmm. and make it something that's not like a checklist. It's not something that's like right. a checklist. It's more it doesn't gradual. have to be a Mm-hmm. a very gradual process where you're gonna have some ups some downs mm-hmm. sometimes you might leave a session feeling extremely energized and just like oh mm-hmm. that's so good I got that off my mm-hmm. chest I talked about it other mm-hmm. days you may process things and you may like really struggle after a session mm-hmm. exactly and, and that's why it's so important to be mindful of your support yeah be very mindful of it be mindful of the ways that you're supporting yourself even through it like mm-hmm. self-sufficiency is super yeah. important like you know after these sessions I'm about to roll up to the Starbucks <laughs> give me the uh, uh, uh what's the biggest size a Trenta <laughs> or Venti something crazy Venti, I don't even know like I'm a one. Oh, get you God. a big ridiculous um <laughs> refresher mm-hmm. and go walk somewhere or mm-hmm. Hey, can we go see this movie? Like whatever you need to do in order to just get yourself in the space that you feel you may feel like some relief after that, because therapy can be very, it can be a lot to take on on some days. You can't always assume that every session, you're just going to go in there and kiki with your therapist and it's going to be an easy peasy time. Right. It's not going to be an easy peasy time. And also with all work with a counselor, it's not just going to be them helping guide you through things. You're going to have to guide them sometimes. That's and let them point. know, like, hey, yeah, this might be a lot today. <laughs> Not really feeling, yeah, it. or what you're feeling, yeah, yeah especially if there's a trigger or an activation. And oh gosh, I love everything that you're bringing up because it's like, it's a, it's such a collaborative process, and. Yeah. Therapy is not just, let me go in and talk and like vent. It's it, especially when it comes to trauma work, it is, oh my gosh, it has to be so intentional. Um, again, it's so unique to every person and yeah, the therapist's job of course is to guide you through that, support you through that, put that stable, help you put that stabilization in place so that if things do get overwhelming, there's a way to navigate it. Um, that's why it's so important to, to work with someone who knows what they're doing and, um, who you feel comfortable with. Um, because there may be times where, like you said, the client may have to be like, Hey, I'm becoming really overwhelmed. I'm feeling really triggered right now. And then the therapist knows, oh, okay, let's do this. Let's take a break. Let's, you know, how, let's, how can we work through this? What do you need right now to feel safe? Mm-hmm. And that, so I love that you brought that up because yeah, it needs to be collaborative. It needs to be both people in it together. Um, yeah. And that's something I will validate for like, that's why I brought it up because I think sometimes like I've experienced to where clients have come in and they're like, you know, 
they kind of view you as like, okay, you're the expert, mm-hmm. you know, maybe I need to push myself. I am not a fan of extra hard pushes at all. Mm-hmm. I like no. a baby nudge sometimes, maybe a, mm-hmm. maybe a let's open the door over here and you can yeah. gladly tell me quickly, Ava, well, let's close that. As long as I know that it's not like a super avoidant thing, but then like you have to consider the person. And so just like Mm -hmm. being as transparent as you possibly can with your counselor is going to do more good than it will harm. Like it's going to be uncomfortable in some instances, but letting them know because you know yourself and Mm -hmm. most of us who've experienced trauma, Mm -hmm. we kind of know, okay, my body's telling me this Mm -hmm. (laughs) and maybe I need to pull back a little bit. Um, Right just just be be clear about things and it, it's kind of a way to build like like we said building the resiliency learning that but also learning how to honestly place yourself in the spaces that you need to be and so that's with everything and learning yeah. how to do that is very important when you've gone through trauma like this is something I can't take on right now and I think it's important for people anyone listening who, who maybe is unfamiliar with therapy or hasn't started their therapy don't be surprised if there is a lot of preparation before diving into the root of the trauma, because the therapist, again, assuming they know what they're doing, needs there, there needs to be things put into place to not cause harm. And so I know, I'm sure you've had this too. I've had people come in and they almost want to rush the process because yeah. they're feeling so bad mm-hmm. and they just want to feel better. And I totally understand that, but it's like, hey, if we dive in here without putting these other things into place, I don't know what that's going to result in. It could be okay, but I don't want to take that risk as your counselor. You know, I, I have to have that conversation sometimes. And so I think for, for people, and that's why it's so important to go to therapy before things get out of hand, you know, going when you're beginning to notice, wow, you know, I'm not dealing with things in the way that I want to, or mm, I can, I think this may be affecting me as a, as opposed to going when it's a full blown crisis and you don't know what to do with yourself mm-hmm. um, because it may be, it's going to, it's going to be a process that stabilization is so, so, so important. Um, so do, I, I encourage people don't be, I mean, you can always express it to your therapist, but um, you know, your therapist isn't avoiding the, the talking about, you know, whatever it is you came to talk about, they just probably have to put some things into place to do so yeah. in a, an effective way. And asking you, you know, like they, like you said, assuming folks know what they're doing and they're informed mm-hmm. in their work with trauma, like one of mm-hmm. the things I know a lot of therapists do is ask questions about like where you're at and your emotions Mm -hmm. during Mm -hmm. your time expressing these types of Mm -hmm. things, because it can be very uncomfortable. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we, we go through the training and education in order to kind of know like, okay, let me, this is what I'm noticing non-verbally with this person. This Mm -hmm. is what I'm noticing in their speech and Mm -hmm. going, going with that, but then still having the verbal you know, Mm -hmm. clarity, like, this is Mm -hmm. what I feel right now. Mm -hmm. And we will gladly be like, hey, sure, for Mm -hmm. sure. Let's work through that. Let's figure this out. Maybe we Mm -hmm. can put a pin in it and come back, Mm -hmm. circle back around. It's, Mm -hmm. It's a very, it's a very delicate process. And I think too, from what I recall, now shoot, I hope I'm not speaking out, you know, not the wrong end, but, but I think too, if anyone is scared or concerned about having to revisit their trauma. I think no too. It's not necessarily, you don't necessarily have to go and revisit everything in extreme detail, if that makes sense. And I think that's an important part for people to know. And that I think can be discussed with your therapist as well. But I've had people who love to give me all the details and that's totally fine. I don't need all that. Like, you know what I mean? Like if that's what they need, that's wonderful. That's cool. Um, but some people are like, Ooh, I don't know that I want to verbally have to explain all of what happened. Mm. And so, and for me, because I am trained in, um, brain spotting, I, I, you know, I'm like, look, I don't need words. Let's just pay attention to what's happening in your body as you revisit this. But of course I'm trained in certain things. So I feel Mm. comfortable doing that. 
Um, you know, but I think that's something for people to be aware of as well. If you are looking to work through things, but are afraid or concerned about your reactions to verbally retelling a story or having flashbacks, things like that, be transparent with your therapist and say, these are my concerns. Can we still work without me having to go into all this detail? Yes. Um, cause I like to let people know that's likely an option, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And a lot of times you may know, like just, just for those of us that may not, like you said, aren't familiar with like the process of therapy. So for me, like in my first sessions, because I'm a part of a group practice, it's very mm-hmm. much like, you know, psychosocial work. Like we're mm-hmm. doing an intake assessment. We're talking about mm-hmm. the things that you may have shared in your questionnaire mm-hmm. in the beginning and then all that. Mm-hmm. And some of my clients will be upfront. Like mm-hmm. I went through a traumatic situation mm-hmm. in my childhood. This is what happened. Mm-hmm. Others may mm-hmm. say, they may literally list it like sexual abuse. Um, mm-hmm. What else? Like, I don't know. Maybe neglect, uh, neglect or divorce, mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I know that before the session mm-hmm. or during the session, like when they're sharing with me, this is what happened and I'll find out more and more. And so when you're really invested in working with a therapist, things will come down the line. I've had clients not necessarily tell me certain pieces of their trauma until after working with them for six months where it'll come out. And guess what? That is okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Cause they did it. Yeah. So it's like, it doesn't have to be first session. You're coming in, you're listing this, 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 all these things. It doesn't have to be that for some people it can be, and that's what they want it to be. For others, it may not be your style. It may not be what you want to do. You may actually be more focused in on like the figuring out the relationship, Mm -hmm. building trust, you know, it's a lot of things that go into it, but yeah, we kind of got in our counselor bag. I love it it too. I love it. And because that's where that work is. That second Mm -hmm. stage is the meat, you know, and I've had clients where I've worked with them for a year or or something before we got there because it needed to be that way. The present Mm -hmm. day was too chaotic Mm -hmm. to go into, you know, the past. We needed to create stabilization in the present day. Um, And so then Dr. Susan Spicer goes on to stage three and she talks about. I'm calling that lady Spice Country. Ah, that's okay. Um, And so then she talks about reconnection and integration. So Mm. in this stage, we're assuming that you've gone through that meet that we've just talked about Mm. and that the trauma is no longer a driving force in your life. It becomes a part of your story, but it's not the defining factor anymore. Um, And hopefully, you know, the person would feel empowered and as though they have ownership in their life, purpose and meaning. Um, and, and that they're able to kind of create their own narrative moving forward. Um, of course, again, this looks different. The pace is different for everyone. There's no right or wrong way to, you know, get to this point. Um, and so, but that's the hope that after that stage two, this is what comes out of it. And I, and she doesn't mention this, but from my perspective too, I like to remind my clients that in different stages of life, we may need to revisit that stage two, the meat, mm-hmm. the the deeper processing. You know, I know, you know, I've worked with people where they may have um, parental loss or or something like that, or a disconnection from their parents. And so I, I, I normalize, you know, hey, in different phases of your life, we may need to revisit this, that you know, your relationship with your parents. So just because we've done all this work now. And that you feel way more healed. You feel like you have ownership. This this loss doesn't define you. When you have children, you, this may come up again. Or when you have another loss in your life, this may come up again. Things like that. And so just to kind of normalize that, um, especially with that big T trauma, that complex trauma mm-hmm. that is very long lasting, you may need to revisit that in therapy, you know, and that's okay. It is totally fine. And it's, it's something that I think is oftentimes not, not, I guess, taught enough when we're Mm -hmm. going through things in life. Like some of us may view things very linear in a linear Mm -hmm. way where it's like, Mm -hmm. okay, I processed it. I should be over this. I've heard people say that in movies, (laughs) in real life, Mm -hmm. I should be over this by now. Why? Because of time. Right. Right. Um, No. 
I love that now. Time isn't going to get rid of that for you. You're still holding so much within you that rightfully so. I mean, it makes sense why you are. And so figuring out the, the whole, I guess, understanding the idea that if you're dealing with grief, like let's look at grief, for instance, grief can be something that's extremely traumatic for many people or loss, like losing someone and you're dealing with your grief after the fact anniversaries come around mm-hmm. birthdays come mm-hmm. around mm-hmm. um you know you may go through having like you mentioned it made me think of something you may go through having a child and not really have support that can be something that's traumatic for you that you need to work through you know like if your mom isn't there and you're having a child like that's a difficult thing to go through and a lot of people go through that and they just think okay which I get it it's just like I can't really do anything about it Mm-hmm. but honoring your feelings and, and knowing what to do with that and like building that resiliency in the midst of that and also knowing like you look you can go to a therapist and go in there and it might do it might work wonders for you to be like mm-hmm. this is effed up mm-hmm. that I have to deal with this mm-hmm. you may just need to say that because yeah. around everyone else you may be in a space where you feel like you can't really express that mm-hmm. And so that's a big part of it too, is like knowing things may happen over the course Mm -hmm. of your life due to a traumatic situation. It may remind Mm -hmm. you, you're going to have triggers, you're going to have certain things and establishing like a, would it be like a repertoire, like a, like skills, like skill Mm -hmm. set Mm -hmm. and knowing, Ooh, I need to polish this up. Right. I need need a refresher. Mm -hmm. That is totally fine. Because going exactly. through something at 15 is going to look different at 30. It's going to look different at yep. 35. It's going to look different yeah. at 55. It's going to look different. Yep. And so knowing what you need to do in order to help yourself through that and honoring the fact that you can do that. Yeah. You and know? it doesn't mean that you didn't do the work the first time around. You know, it just looks different. And I love that you brought up, you know, if someone is 15 or 20 and then they're 30 or 40, it's our brains are constantly developing. We're changing. Mm-hmm. We're having different things go on in our life. And so, I mean, of course, the hope is that if you do have to revisit anything, that because you've laid out that foundation and have done that deeper work, um, that it won't be as triggering. And it's totally fine too. You know, some people don't begin this work until they're middle-aged and that's okay too. Um, That does not mean that growth or, or, you know, that healing can't come. Healing can always come. Um, It'll just look differently. And, um, and so, um, you know, she brings up this stage and then stage four would be post-traumatic growth. Mm -hmm. And so she talks about, you know, being able to, um, look at this, look at the trauma as part of their story and not necessarily take away the experience, um, mm-hmm. despite the psychological pain they've endured, which I think is really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, they, it's hopefully creating a shift in their thinking, um, highlighting their resiliency, highlighting their ability to cope, um, and creating some empowerment and be able to to being able to use their experiences to connect to others. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that is super cool. And so um, that's the last stage of this process. And again, like, you know, several different articles kind of talk about these different stages. Um, I don't want anyone to walk away from this thinking it has to be that linear, that it has to be that clean. It likely won't be. Mm -hmm. Um, For many people, it it takes years and that's okay to move through all this. Um, But just to show that like, this is what it can look like and people can achieve like a recovery and ownership of their story and ownership of their experiences and be able to navigate the world in like, in a way that is comfortable. So I love that little article. That was a good I one. I love that. I love it. <laughs> we and have I to like the word. <laughs> post-traumatic growth. Like every time mm-hmm. we hear the words, the word post-traumatic, we're thinking like disorder, um, stress, frustration, mm-hmm. difficulty. And it doesn't necessarily mean, it doesn't mean that all the time. Put mm-hmm. growth behind it is a whole different yeah, thing. Yeah. And I love that. Like it, when you said it, when we were discussing it, I'm like, man, post-traumatic growth Mm -hmm. 
I need to start using that because I think a lot of my clients come in. I went through something traumatic and I'm like, all right, let's talk about what your growth is going to look like. Mm-hmm. Way to frame it. Drink space, you know, because a lot of times mm-hmm. we go into things and it's just, you know, bad, 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 bad. And yes, bad. Oh, let me validate that for you. Terrible. But it's not impossible to build from that. Right. And, and she mentions recovery is not the absence of thoughts or feelings related to mm-hmm. the trauma, but it's being able to look at it from a different perspective and not be, not, not have your life be dictated by it. And, and that is certainly possible. Um, you're right. I think sometimes people get, I mean, gosh, yeah, trauma, it does define people. I mean, and I see this on TikTok a lot where, and I don't know, I know, it's an outlet. So I try, I take it with a grain of salt, but sometimes I see, especially younger generations um, being defined by what they went through and they'll frame it that way. And it's probably because they're young and maybe haven't done the work they needed to um, yet, or maybe they haven't gotten to that stage yet. But, um, but yeah, part of me is like, man, I hope they know like that it doesn't always have to be this way. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and again, probably some of these TikTokers and stuff are like, you know, just wanting to express their anger, express their frustration. They're in that stage of, of working right. things yeah. out. Yeah, um, but I hope too, it doesn't become a trend to be traumatized. Does that make sense? No, I totally get it. Because I think that sometimes it, people are defined by their hardships, but not in a way that is therapeutic. It's in a way that just continues to exacerbate mm-hmm. the problem. And it doesn't have to be that way at all. It sure does not. And I think it's, it's I agree with you, it's very common seeing that on social media and even just like if we look at media period if we look at television Mm -hmm. shows and it's one thing like we have to consider okay yes this is something that's devastating Mm -hmm. right for people as individuals for communities like when I think about um here lately one that's really been on my mind is like everything that happened with World. And me being in Houston, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. like a totally different feel to it. I don't know what it is. I think it's because like people grew up here and they're like, mm-hmm. what in the world? Mm-hmm. And that's something that brings up so many thoughts. Like so many people yeah. are going to be traumatized by that. And I don't know, like certain things. I'm like, man, it's just everywhere. It's it's everywhere. We when trauma happens within the world, mm-hmm. it's right there. We see it. It's reported. Yeah, on. and especially so, the last couple years. Ooh, okay. Because when I yeah. tell you every the day of that or that weekend that everything happened with the festival, mm-hmm. I'm like, my whole. Because I follow a lot of news mm-hmm. stations in Houston. Yeah. It's like my whole thing mm-hmm. was just like what new development and then my mind immediately went to like oh my goodness those kids families those kids families like and the the work that they're Mm. gonna have to do in the future and how Mm. strenuous that's gonna be how difficult that is and just so many things happen within the world and it's a lot when you're sitting and you're looking at it and you're processing it as a person who didn't exactly go through it Mm -hmm. but whenever you're someone who actually did understanding just like the magnitude of that right like consider that like people can see that something traumatic happened to someone but when it's the person or someone who's affected Mm -hmm. it's a totally different ball game Mm -hmm. and we have to be a little Mm -hmm. more diligent with how we look at other people's trauma I think yeah make it a little make it a little more I don't know I don't know what I'm trying to say Marcella like it, it just Cause I think people just, when I hear people talk about things, like they're like, oh, you mm-hmm. heard what happened with what, what, whatever it was, that tornado or whatever, this natural disaster. Mm-hmm. And for some folks, it's just like, oh wow, a tornado. Mm-hmm. And for some of us, we're like, my God. Mm-hmm. It's your community. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Those or, people, or what it's, are they doing? yeah. How are they doing? Mm-hmm. And I think it's it's hard because I, I I think I understand what you're saying. And it's it's that balance between, you know, we are exposed to so much in the news. And again, especially the last two years, it's just been 
you know, collective trauma after collective trauma, whether it's the pandemic or natural disasters or um, political political things that we're witnessing that are disturbing, um, things like that. It's and and I think you're right. It's that fine line between having empathy and honoring what a community may be going through, you know, being in the South and in Louisiana, we have so many natural, natural disasters and, and so many people affected by it. Cause we have so much poverty. Um, and then hearing about the tornadoes that were recently in Kansas and Tennessee, like all in the Midwest, you know, I have empathy, but I also am like, shoot, I need to like distance myself from that mm-hmm. because it's too much. Like we have vicarious trauma too, mm-hmm. like, it, or school shootings, you know, hearing another one, it's either like we're jaded and we're like, Oh, that happened. Or it's like, we're maybe overly affected. And it's like, how do you find the balance between acknowledging that, you know, something is sad and traumatic and and let's hold space for that, but also being able to move forward and not become, um, not have our world be dictated by the possibility of those things happening. Oh, it's like, we need yeah. both. Yeah. And then I get, I think it gets really existential of like, Ooh. you know, life is about, I mean, th- and this is just my viewpoint, life is about suffering and pain and um, death. And, but how do we create meaning out of that? Isn't that what makes life so beautiful? Because we can still find joy in the midst of all this. And so, but it takes a while to get to that place too. I struggle with that a lot. I think I can access it easily. Like I think I can access it for some reason. I've always been fascinated with death and all that stuff, but um, <laughs> but it takes a long time to get to that. Um, but I think, yeah, when you, when you mention all of that, I, it just reminds me of the meaning and purpose that can come from pain. <sighs> And that's probably why when Dr. Emerson told us to write that mm-hmm. paper about our theoretical mm-hmm. orientation, you're yeah. very gravitated toward existential. I love it. <laughs> like, I love it. Because it, that's, that's, I'm always teetering that line mm-hmm. of like, mm-hmm. wow, people really, how do you not, how do you not feel anything or see mm-hmm. any, any meaning within that? Like it's, it's a way to kind of help you to, to understand what it is that you go through, why it is you can choose to make meaning out of certain mm-hmm. things that can help mm-hmm. you can help yourself with using that and so Mm -hmm. yeah that's what my mind goes to often I'm just like man balance it really all of this conversation today just made me think of that book which I've mentioned several times on here at the um the Victor no yeah Victor Frankel the the man search for meaning because that is just to me the the most beautiful and and simple um example of pain and suffering and trauma and being Mm -hmm. able to heal and and grow and connect to others through that pain I mean it's just so beautiful it just so I mean I think it's just a great example of how it is possible and I mean of course he's he went through the most one of the most I mean, I, I can't even think of the world, but the yeah, one of the most traumatic things anyone could go through on such a large scale. So um, yeah, all of all of this that we've talked about today, um, it brings me back to that, you know, for sure. I, I which agree. is really beautiful. And I yeah, oh yeah, I need to pull that book out. I know. Well, it, it was such a comfort to me, you know, especially in the beginning of the pandemic, because this is life, you know, it is. is I was thinking today, it was funny that this comes up because before we recorded today, I, I was feeling a little anxious about, you know, this Omicron variant and, you know, just the things in my life I have coming up and not wanting it to be affected. But then I was kind of like, you know, it is what it is. I can't control it. I'm just going to have to do whatever it is I have to do whenever mm-hmm. that moment comes. Um, and, and today's conversation, I think has helped solidify that a little mm-hmm. bit more and just to know, like, it's okay. And, okay. you know, our whole, our ancestors, like our, our whole world before us have dealt with things similar to Ooh, this and yeah. life goes on. Goes <laughs> People on. persevere and, and it's okay. And you can, you can see things through. I think like, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of times we're so, bogged down by everything that we're we're seeing and we're feeling and we're experiencing Mm -hmm. and oftentimes you never really know what's after all yeah like while you're Mm -hmm. in it you're just like oh this is treacherous and then you get Mm -hmm. to the you get to the back end of it and you're Mm -hmm. like man maybe 
maybe there's something that I could gather from this experience that can help me. And that's, that's always my hope with my clients who've experienced trauma mm-hmm. um, is at some point we can talk about like what it is that you gained, what it is that you gathered from. Yes. That's the goal, right? How are you going to navigate relationships moving forward mm-hmm. after you went through this traumatic abusive relationship? What are we going to mm-hmm. do now? Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. we got to get them to like seeing a now seeing a name right. right but right. then like once you're once they're in that space mm-hmm. it's a it's such a great feeling that's one of my favorite feelings as a counselor is like yeah oh you're here like we mm-hmm. made it all well, right it's gratitude yeah it's so great I love that yeah. I love it so much but yes I love it well I'm feeling really energized by kind Me of where too. we landed and because it is a special place and you know it's it's Trauma is hard, of course, and just, you know, us thinking about not only individual traumas, but a collective trauma, like you brought Mm -hmm. up Astro World and all of these Mm -hmm. terrible things that happen in the world, but just knowing that humans are strong and we can get through things and there is, and that's what fuels connection to other people. So yeah, we wouldn't know, we wouldn't be able to appreciate that. I know for me, I wouldn't be able to appreciate that to the depths that I do now, if it wasn't for all of what we've gone through, you know, on a larger scale. And of course, what's gone on in my personal life, you know, so mm-hmm. uh, I, I'm glad we landed here. It feels I good. Am too. I am too. I kind of had a visual moment too. I remember, I know I've talked about the Oklahoma City bombing because yeah. I was a kid when it happened, yeah. I was like in grade school. Mm -hmm. probably second grade something like that first second something like that Mm -hmm. and I remember when we visited Oklahoma City because I lived in Tulsa Mm -hmm. and I had family in Oklahoma City I remember visiting and I remember seeing the wall there was like a fence and it was just like Mm -hmm. literally covered with like bears yeah just tons of things to flowers I mean Mm -hmm. and when I tell you people were out there all the time putting new Mm -hmm. things because and that's that's one of those things that makes me think of it like you're not Mm-hmm. you're not alone within your trauma mm-hmm. people right. are thinking of you there's someone that has your best interests at heart mm-hmm. um, and you doing that for yourself you know in times when there isn't someone there that's another thing that I always hope for you know like mm-hmm. yeah your best friend may have moved across the country and she can't hold your hand through it but how can we right. how can we build that mm-hmm. for you now and how can you because res- we do need each other I think that's the thing mm-hmm. that's my point like yeah we do. other people's acknowledgement of the fact that like yeah validating that that was wrong I hate that you went through that um a lot of times we need to hear that but there's so much more to it you know so yeah beautiful things yeah I'm glad we landed here it was like I, I feel like we're in a field of flowers now um, I know I love it I love it <laughs> yeah, well what yeah. a okay so should we transition to yes for sure feeding our soul Yes, I've had a couple things. Um, Tell me. Or do you want me to go first? What, what works I'll, for you? I'll go because I, this is what okay. I say. There's this book that I purchased months ago. And I remember, so I didn't even know what a, and Marcella, help me out. Enneagram. Mm-hmm. Enneagram. Enneagram. Yeah, yeah, Enneagram. yeah. Enneagram. Yeah, I think. Because uh. <laughs> well, I'm like, who chose that name? But I what like, Enneagram number are you? Your girl is a two. Oh, really? I'm a four. I thought you would have been a four. Re- Marcella, I might not know what I'm talking about. Hold up. No, I'm sure you're, I mean, if you took the little test. I did two. the helper. Yeah, you're the helper. I'm okay. a two. Um, so there's this book that I got. And when I tell you that I have been whipping this out, when I talk to like friends that is so cool. and things like that, I've even had clients be like, I took an Enneagram. What is yeah, it? <laughs> like, love it? They love it. They I do. have a book. Let's, let's, let's last 15 minutes we can talk about your type and then like we'll laugh yeah, and like talk I about things. Like, i don't know if i see that in myself and i'm like are you sure um, <laughs> it's so fun but I, it's a book called take care of your type um an enneagram guide to self-care mm-hmm. by a lady named christina s wilcox and it's so fun okay mm-hmm. so it, it's it's just sweet um it breaks down of course the different types because isn't there there's nine of them there's nine a couple of them have wings which yes well I think they all have wings from my understanding it's like like you take the time Mm -hmm. it's like you're either winging towards so if I'm a four I think I either wing three or a wing five um 
which I could never really determine in mine because I just took like a little online one. I'm not even sure how ac- it feels accurate because I feel like a four. But um, but yeah, it, it gets it's deep. It is deep. People have careers based around this. This is like it's serious. <laughs> you are a four. Ah, thank you. <laughs> Look, it's a good type. Okay, I love it. I love it. List. Yeah, you are very yeah. much that. I think I was, I was four and my next one, I think it said a, the loyalist, the number six, which I was surprised. So yeah. Yeah. I need to go back. I'm gonna go back and take it again just to see. Yeah, you should see which way you went somewhere mm-hmm. because apparently, okay. So I'm the helper just to give mm-hmm. you guys an idea. Like it's, it's a, uh, what we say? It's like a personality test. Like it's like a, yeah, yeah, it's, it is. And it's very, it's very unique. Um, it's fun. Mm-hmm. As you know, you're like, oh, wow. So I think people my, love learning about themselves. We do. And I'm one of those mm-hmm. people. Okay. I yeah. love it. Mm-hmm. Um, like me being the helper. She breaks down like different things, like your um, qualities. So for me, I'm like, okay, generous, sincere, friendly, possessive, true, and warm hearted. <laughs> and when I saw the possessive part at first, I was like, huh? No, it's true. Um, it gives you like your core desires, your core fears, mm-hmm. ultimate motivations, things like that. And then the affirmation, I am wanted because that's something mm-hmm. I don't know that about myself. Wow, yeah. I like feeling that mm-hmm. like people appreciate what I give to them, what mm-hmm. I contribute to their lives. Mm-hmm. Like I want to feel wanted, like, oh, yeah. let me go see if Ava can help me with this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or let me, I love that. Yeah. Um, and it gives like a breakdown of all the different things. Here's the wingies uh twos can either be a wing one or wing wing three yes I need to know that I need to figure that out yeah you need to I mean I'm sure too if you read them you can kind of figure out which one you wing to but I know I'm sure people are like take the test and you'll see (laughs) right right and then it gives you like okay why does my type need self-care um Mm -hmm. self-care practices and what that looks like yeah, it even gives you like examples for self-care practices for the type two. So it's like, say no, awaken your inner mm-hmm. artist, get creative, mm-hmm. question your emotions, call your best friend. I do that often. Yeah. Um, tell others what you need, rest up, essential oils, things like that. It just gives you all these different things. Love that. And it all is very congruent with my personality. So like mm-hmm. find a favorite coffee shop. Every city yeah. I've lived in, yeah. which hadn't been many, but I always had a favorite <laughs> one. Um, it's just really cool, super cool. Write love letters to yourself, just sweet. And then it gives you also how to take care of the type two in your life. So if you know like a person, Ooh, yeah, and this is what they may need. So like it's fun. I love that. That's good. That's cute. So I love this book. I've been whipping it out here and there within my work, and just like when I talk to like friends, cousins, mm-hmm. I'm like, what's your type? Mm-hmm. And they'll take it, and it's fun. Because we do like learning about ourselves. It's one of my favorite things in the world. Yes. So yeah, that's mine here lately. Well, good, good. I'm glad. Mine, so the only thing I can think of, which, and it's just been this week, so it feels pretty recent, but um, I've been reading, uh, rereading my old Harry Potter book. So that's been nice. And then uh, me and uh, Yaz are going through and we're watching all the movies because he's never seen all of them before. And like, this was such a huge part of my childhood. You haven't seen them? No. Oh my gosh. I've seen like three. Because how many are there? There's seven. There's eight movies. There's seven books, eight movies. They split the last book into two parts for the movies because it's pretty dense. But honestly, I'm more partial to the books because I just feel like everything is fleshed out so much better. And the character development, it looks different from the movies, like the movies that, you know, they they can't show everything and stuff like that. But I do love like the actors because I feel like I grew up with them. Like it was just such a huge part of my childhood. Um, They're around. Yeah. And. And now granted, I will say the author has recently or not even recently for a a couple of years now, she's come under scrutiny because she's had some transphobic remarks and things Mm -hmm. like that, which is really unfortunate. Um, Hopefully she, I don't know, rectifies that in some way and maybe learns a little bit, but, um, but it's just, I love the books because they're just so 
there is so much meaning in them. And like this boy is like going through this like wizarding, wizarding war and he's like at the center of it. And like, he has his friends who like get him through it. And it's just beautiful. Like it's a beautiful testament to like friendship and bravery and like healing and all and kind of generational trauma. Like it's just, it's so, there's so go back and watch Harry Potter. It's so I love it. I love it. I love it. So, but the books are so, oh, that's what the books everyone, are so. everyone that I know that is heavily into Harry Potter always say they're more partial to the books. Like they think I love them because my favorite character, Ron, the little redhead. Okay. Um, I always liked him too. Every time he's I my favorite. Him, and he is way, he is not given just, the actor is wonderful, but like they don't write him in the way that the books have him. Okay. Because in the movie they make him like the little scaredy like best friend, right, like right. just a little sidekick. And in the books he's like dynamic, you know? And so that's mm. why I love the book. Cause I'm like, y'all did my Ron wrong. Like, you know, but anyway, that's what's been feeding my soul. <laughs> and I they're kind of Christmassy. It. There's always like a little Christmas element to them too. So it's been I nice during Christmas time right now. That's what I've heard. You know, I I never really got into it. I remember with Accelerated Reader in elementary school, like a lot of my friends really got into Harry Potter because they were like, yeah. I'm going to read three books this year and I'm going to have all my points. No, all my points. Yeah. Because like <laughs> Harry Potter books yes. were like. They would give me like 74 points. Yeah. It was awesome. I would read that and Hardy Boys. I would read Harry Potter for my big chunk, and then Hardy Boys would get me like the five extra points, and I'd get through this. Yeah, I definitely was the kid in the library, like looking at the Harry Potter books, like, "Mm, I get it. But, like, do I really want to read the same book for three weeks, four weeks? Because I I wasn't like a very fast reader. So I'm like, yeah. But I now, I kind of am curious about like the, if anything, I know I'll have time to watch the movies. Like, uh, I think Dijon likes them. Like he likes the oh, yeah. movies. He don't read books. I think he did read them in school. He did say that. Yeah. He well, was- yeah, I could see how she being, it's hard to find time to read. Like, I don't read like I used to. I used to be such a fervent, re- you know, reader. Mm-hmm. And I think ever since I got more into like, I used to never, I didn't have an iPhone in college and all that. Like I was very basic for a long time. Um, and so I had space to do that, but now I guess the technology aspect of things just takes up too much space for me. Um, so I'm trying to do better about that. Um, so it's, yeah, yeah. I get that, but I'm glad you're, you're indulging and yeah, on all the movies. I know, I know he needs to, uh, he's only seen, I think parts of a few of them. So he's Mm -hmm. never really sat down and watched all of them. So I'm excited. (laughs) I'm going to admit something to you. So when I was in high school, all my friends like loved Harry Potter. Right. And I'm the only Uh one that was like, I mean, okay. And we went to a midnight showing of a show. Uh Now we've never had like a sleepover you and I we've uh-huh. never done, like a kitty sleepover one day that's mm-hmm. gotta happen we're gonna be grown mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> I love sleepovers they're you great. give fun vibes at a yeah. sleepover. you really yeah. do like you yeah <laughs> and so yeah they wanted to go to a midnight showing I think I was a junior or a senior so whichever one came out at that time and Marcella when I tell you they were so angry with me like we're not talking to me at the end of the movie because I fell asleep you fell asleep oh no the movie was almost three hours long they're long I'm like the whole first hour we just added school girl that was me that was me with freaking um Lord of the Rings I never went to like a midnight premiere or anything but I could Mm. not get through those movies I don't know what it was and people shame me for it my dad and my brother love the world it's too much it's too much information I feel like with Harry Potter, I've read the book, so I have all the information. But to me, I could see how if you don't understand and you're going into a a movie that you have no context, like, yeah, yeah, you're going to fall asleep. They were like, Ava, (laughs) we went back to school the next week. And they're like, y'all went to see Harry Potter, right? Everybody was at the show and blah, blah, blah. And they're like, yeah, but Ava, you don't ask her any questions because she slept the whole time. I was like, I didn't sleep the whole time. I was in and out yeah. of sleep. Because when it was yeah. loud and like they're swooping and doing all of the yeah. flying and playing whatever that sport is they play. When yeah. I tell you, I would wake up on those parts when it got real rambunctious. But when it was yeah. just like Harry and whomever talking, I'm yeah. just like, 
What they talking about? <laughs> yeah, you don't even know what they're talking about. No, was a but they knew you really shouldn't have gone. <laughs> I shouldn't have. And they like they were like, Ava, please come. And I'm like, mm-hmm. y'all know I ain't really in Harry Potter. Yeah, yeah. But they were ecstatic. Oh. like up like this and I'm like that is oh, hilarious like, I can see I didn't have anyone to like share my your Harry Potter nerdiness with I mean until college me and my friend went to the last one the last premiere but like I never really had friends who were that into it so I was just like alone in my little obsession I get that yeah oh, my friend but, was really into it like every friend I've had my best friend Nishi she loves it I think Tira likes that's it that's hilarious like Nishi loves it. She she talks about going to where is the little I don't even know Orlando. It's a Universal Harry Potter world. Yes, she talked about that and how That's fun. It, she went last year at 29 years of age and had the best time of her life drinking her little butter beer and yeah, might have been yeah. this year actually. Had I want to go back. I want to go back. And I was like, girl, let me. She was like, you need to come with me. And I'm like, um. <laughs> but if you, you have it, fun, maybe I'll watch it and I'll be like in it yeah because when it's I get nice you would like it day, yeah I'm gonna check it out because I'm older now like back then I was too busy yeah. I would definitely was like if BTS was a thing when I was a teenager I probably oh, you would have been all up in that like I'm yeah. all into like the music boy band yeah. girl and you've band. always been that way yeah all my whole life yeah mm-hmm. um so yeah but I'm glad that that's happening for you I'm I'm gonna have to make that something I do in the future is you know watch the Harry Potter movie slowly yeah. but surely <laughs> but yeah. well, okay well this was mm-hmm. great and we'll have really one good. more one more episode and we will talk to y'all then absolutely y'all take care of yourselves have fun enjoy yourself take your time with things and we will see y'all next time yes bye bye <laughs>